You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Colt Molesky, bringing you Timberwolves content. Make sure to check out prior podcasts as well as the Twitter accounts at Locked on T-Wolves and my Twitter at C Molesky, M-O-L-E-S-K-Y. Guest from the Miami side of things on the NBA as we kick off training camp. We've had media day and the Jimmy Butler saga continues. The drama continues. David of the Locked on Heat podcast is joining me to, to talk a little bit about trades, about finding the perfect trade and about how the Miami Heat could be involved in the Jimmy Butler trade, in the Jimmy Butler scenarios. First, David, thanks so much for joining the show. Oh, uh, happy to be here. This is uh, an exciting time right before the start. Well, actually, right at the start of training camp, something unexpected, but uh, always happy to talk about uh, a potential blockbuster deal. I, uh, I've i complained about this before, but of course it happens. This trade request happens the week training camp starts and not the end of August when there's absolutely nothing in the NBA to talk about. I did a podcast on Jimmy Butler's relationship status with Iggy Azalea, and now he wants a trade at the beginning of training camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) a, I I mean, I guess there's a rationale behind it that it definitely puts the Minnesota Timberwolves in in a must act now type scenario, but uh, it is definitely something we would have preferred to cover a couple of weeks ago to have everything in place. I, I, you know, I understand that, Minnesota's media day was a, a little awkward because obviously there's <laughs> tension hanging around there. And from the Miami side of things, it was not quite as tense, but you know, there was still obviously you're talking to players that in a week or less might not even be on the roster anymore. And you're trying to build optimism as you normally do uh, to try to get them to explain their role on the team. And it's like, well, that role may not really exist because they may not be on the team in a couple of days. So. Exactly. It is a little awkward, especially for the Timberwolves side of things you have. The news coming out that uh, Tibbs meets again with Jimmy Butler, basically <laughs> pleading with him to, to reconsider and join back with the Timberwolves on Monday right before the media stuff. So uh, it's it's a tense time. It's a, a strange time. Uh, you have Glenn Taylor taking over the trade conversations. I don't know if that makes it better or worse for the Timberwolves. Uh, I, we'll say it's about even as opposed to Tibbs trying to trade Jimmy Butler. Uh, but let, let's jump into this. So, I've been messing around for the last few days with the trade machine, uh, specifically in preparation for this show uh, with the Miami Heat. And I wanted to talk to you about just an outside look at these trades. But first, uh, concerning your team in general, I, as far as just getting Jimmy Butler and not involving the Kings at all, which they've been around these conversations for a while here, but not involving the Kings at all. If you just trade up Jimmy Butler straight up and – uh, the Timberwolves get back either Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow, and you attach like a, a Kelly Olynyk to try and maybe out- improve their outside shooting. That trade, that trade will go through, and then maybe there's probably picks exchanged as well. But if you're just looking at getting Jimmy Butler, what are you willing to give up as far as the Heat? Uh, I think from what we've heard, almost everyone is available with the exception of Bam Adebayo. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of promise there and that he's shown real great flashes. Everyone I talked to at media day, as far as the veterans are concerned, said that of that young trio, that's, you know, justice, Josh Richardson and Bam Adebayo, 
Adebayo is the one who has taken the biggest leap. Now, I actually had thought that he probably wouldn't be getting much playing time because with Hassan Whiteside getting paid as much as he is and obviously starting, and then with Kelly Olenek coming off the bench as your second center, Adebayo is kind of on the uh, odd, you know, he's the odd man out there. He's not going to get much playing time. But with all this great upside, maybe that might change. I'm not sure how. But anyway, uh, back to the original question, you know, he seems to be the one guy that they're not willing to trade. So other than that, almost everybody else is available. I think you you could make a hierarchy as far as who you'd be willing to trade. And obviously that starts with Whiteside because of his limited skill set, his bad attitude, um, and of course the incredible contract. So that is one thing that you'd like to move right away. I think secondly to Whiteside, you'd be willing to move Dion Waiters. Um, you know, obviously he's coming to camp out of shape. He's still somewhat recovering from his injury. He was held out of media day. And now we've seen pictures of what he looked like on that day. And he looks pretty overweight. So you can see why he's probably held out. Um, not good for Dion, you know, having signed that, that four-year deal just last season, before the start of last season, and, you know, hasn't really lived up to it. and doesn't seem likely to do so anytime soon. Other than that, I mean, everybody's pretty much available because there is... With Miami, you don't have that clear superstar. You've got a lot of depth at every position, nobody that really stands out. A lot of good guys that Eric Spolster mentioned to me on Media Day that he's hoping to get from good to great. And if that's the case, they're they're building on this hope that with the continuity, with the kind of conditioning that the Heat culture implements, and with this team as deep as it is, as versatile as it is, they can make some noise. Other than that, I, I just don't see... Who you wouldn't be willing to give up? Again, Bam Adebayo, a guy with promise, but everybody else, you know, is a, a fine player with some potential. Maybe they'll actualize it. Maybe they won't. And, and so if you're willing to make that move to acquire a superstar, pretty much everybody's on the board, I think. Yeah, and I, I had heard some buzz around Bam, and so I left him out of all the, the trades because it sounded like the Heat were unwilling to move with him. Yeah. Uh, I left uh, white side out because I feel like white side would make one of these young Timberwolves who apparently are a little more delicate around the edges. I think they would make like Wiggins just quit basketball. And I'm trying to keep Derek Rose on this team for a full season. He's uh, walked out for mysterious reasons on teams the last two seasons. I think if Dion Waiters is on this team, I think Derek Rose just disappears from forever. And so I was trying to keep, I was trying to try and find some locker continuity. So I, I, uh, I included uh, guys like Tyler Johnson in trades, uh, guys who seemed like they wouldn't be, uh, really cause too much friction in a trade. Yeah. Uh, the problem with just going Miami and Tim the Timberwolves straight up, uh, those two teams, is there's no way to offload Gorgie. And it really feels like the Timberwolves want to get rid of the Gorgie contract in one of these trades. And so there's no real cap space that you can work with with the Miami Heat. That's why you have to bring in the Kings. Or Phoenix, right? Isn't that the yeah. possibility? I've heard that they're potentially involved as well. The, yeah, the the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix Suns as well. So if you're looking at the the Kings or the Suns, and the the Timberwolves are trying to include them in this trade to get rid of Gorgie, is there a guy on either one of those rosters that stick out to you that's that you're like, oh, if if Miami is in a three team trade, uh, if they could pick up this guy from one of those two teams, that would be perfect. No, I, I mean, nobody really stands out. And I, from what I've seen, I, I thought that Minnesota would likely be the beneficiary of any players being moved out of either one of those teams, either Sacramento or Phoenix. Um, that we'd be sending 
one of our higher priced contracts over there in the hope of clearing some space that we could accommodate a Butler or something along those lines. I'm not sure that there's anybody else on either of those rosters that fit what Miami's doing, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of so, around any young players. Um, yeah, and, and Phoenix has just signed guys like Ariza, maybe PJ. I mean, no, not PJ Tucker. I'm thinking he's in Houston now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, to be honest with you. And I, I haven't seen that there's a link there or anybody of interest on either of those teams that Miami would be willing to make a move for. So in that case, in a three-team scenario, then the Miami Heat would be the tough sell to get this through. Well, I mean, if it's a matter of moving a larger contract, you know, Tyler Johnson or something like that, that's the proposed trade that I've seen, moving Tyler to Sacramento mm-hmm. and then clearing up the, the, the kind of cap space that they need, you know, sending, including a, a first round, a future first round pick along with Tyler's contract in order to accommodate Butler and, and create a little leeway that way. Um, if that's the case, that would work pretty well for Miami. And I think that's something that they'd be happy to do because they have to pay him a lot of money this year and the following year. So, any chance to move that contract would be gladly taken. And just as far as uh, the Miami Heat, do you feel a sense of urgency to get a guy like Jimmy Butler? I know that uh, you got your top teams in the East, but as far as those bottom four slots in the playoffs, it feels pretty open. Uh, It it feels like uh, the difference between maybe number five and number eight is fairly slim. Is there an urgency for Miami Heat to try and get the Timberwolves to to make them the kind of the number one team in the Jimmy Butler trade? Because if they get a guy like this, it could make such a difference as far as uh, playoff. Well, seating? I don't know that they're necessarily concerned about the playoff seating this season. I think they're pretty confident that they're a playoff team as currently constructed. And I think that's pretty fair. I, I know I'm probably higher on them, and you could say that I'm a homer or something along those lines, although I don't think that's the case. They gave up a lot of games last year. They were injured. You know, Whiteside and Waiters both missed a number of games. They didn't have that full roster intact, and they were trying to figure out what to do. So as currently constructed with Wade on this team and another year of continuity, I think they see themselves as a playoff team. The reason why they might be interested in getting a Butler or why they might be desperate to get a player like Butler is because, well, that's the M.O. of Pat Riley to always go Mm -hmm. and and trade for a player and acquire him that way rather than through the draft. That's just not something the team uses as far as a a, a building method, a roster building method. So, you know, the, the also the process of getting Butler opens up future possibilities of luring a secondary superstar, perhaps a Kyrie Irving next year, if we recall. When Mm -hmm. Kyrie asked for a trade out of Cleveland, Miami was one of the four teams, along with New York and San Antonio, that he was eager to be moved to. So there's the hope that maybe you can clear some space, enough space that opens up so that you can have both Jimmy on the team and Kyrie Irving. Then all of a sudden you've retooled for potential championship contention next year and beyond that. So as far as this year is concerned, you know, Butler – helps move the needle from maybe a, a, a seven, six seed in the playoffs to potentially a fourth seed at best. Um, probably not, you know, maybe, a, maybe a good fifth seed. So again, it's not really going to make much of an impact this year, but it's long-term goals. And and for Pat Riley, you know, standing Pat, no pun intended, isn't really something that he does well. You know, he, he likes to, con- you know, keep the, the roster rebuilt and contending as often as possible hasn't been an option over the last couple of seasons, you know, and they're still trying, they're still trying to recover from the loss of Chris Bosch. You know, that changed the calculus of this team and how they moved forward. 
uh, a couple seasons ago because, you know, when they traded those two first-round picks for Goran Dragic, he was coming onto a team that had Luol Deng, that had uh, Chris Bosh, obviously, and Dwayne Wade, and still playing at his prime. And, and you know, that was, that was going to be a, a title-contending team right away after having lost LeBron James the, the, the summer before. And, of course, Bosch's injury changed that completely. Yeah, well, and just if you're looking at the landscape of the teams that it sounds like the Timberwolves are trying to make moves with, uh, the Timberwolves are the, the ones that are, seem to be really desperate to make moves. And then if you're looking at teams, uh, the Knicks, they can wait till next summer. They've got a lot of young talent that they just want to test out and get on the court. You've got the Clippers. They can definitely wait until next summer. It sounds like Kawhi might still very much come to the Clippers, and so they're probably fine waiting until next summer. The Miami Heat, the only urgency is to change your, your playoff seating a bit, but they still probably are a playoff team either way. Uh, really, the Nets are probably the one team that's the, the most uh, desperate to get this trade done right away, and they probably have the least appetizing prospects to send back to the Timberwolves. So uh, a, a tough spot for the Timberwolves, especially since they're trying to get this deal done in the next few days as opposed to the next few weeks. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. Now, I'm curious, you know, with the news that came out earlier today from Mark Stein saying that Jimmy has indicated to Glenn Taylor in the front office that Miami's his preferred destination. Does that put Minnesota in a tighter bind or does it put Miami in a tighter bind? Because it's kind of a debate that I'm having with some of our followers and I'm not quite sure who, who changes as far as who becomes a little bit more desperate to make a move. From my perspective, it's Riley, but you might have a different outlook on that. I think it's always the team that has the player request in the trade, right? Just because for that team, their cards are all down on the table, whereas Miami, you can still uh, hold yours a little close to the chest. Obviously, you know Jimmy Butler wants to get there, so you know kind of what needs to happen to get him there. But uh, you can, you, there's still players you can withhold. There's still pieces and assets you can withhold. With the Timberwolves, it's kind of you're losing, in this case especially, you're losing your your best or, or 1B player on the team, and now you've got to try and get something back for it, even though you know the other team knows you have to get this guy out and you have to get him out quickly. And so I would say that uh, it's a, it's tougher for the Timberwolves. Uh, I would ask, though, it, with uh, Jim Butler saying that Miami is a, a preferred destination, if you're looking at it as... Butler is the first piece. He's bringing in a guy like Kyrie. Uh, what? How does that affect kind of uh, the cap of Miami Heat? Like, do, can they bring in a guy like Kyrie and then expect to sign both of these guys to max deals? Because both of them would want that max contract after joining the team. No, uh, it's almost impossible. You'd have to trade a number of players. I think, uh, you know, Tyler making almost $20 million this year, Hassan Whiteside making over twenty. Those two players, at the very least, would have to be moved along with some other salary cap fillers, too. So it's not like there's a clear-cut path to acquiring either of these players and re-signing them long-term. So it's there's definitely some challenge from the Heat's front office. Now, they have, in the past, and maybe that's the hope as well, gotten their stars to take less money. Dwayne Wade has done it for a number of years. The big three did it collectively back in 2010. So they may be hoping to sell heat culture um, that with the lack of a state 
income tax that maybe they'd be recouping more money in that sense. So they wouldn't necessarily have to sign a, a, a max slot. Now, I know that there's status involved and that's tied into what you want to do, especially for a guy like Jimmy. He wants to be able to say he's a max salary player, a max guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's willing to take a pay cut. I would think not. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe Miami can sell him on something a little differently and maybe he's willing to buy in, although that hasn't seemed like that's the case. All right, we're going to take a quick break for some sponsors, and we're going to talk about uh, just trading your star in general. First, a break for some sponsors. So we've seen a couple of these, right, Dave? We've seen a couple of times where a superstar has asked for or uh, one of the best players on the team has asked to be traded and kind of put a team in a tough spot where not only do they have to find a trade partner when you know this team needs to get rid of this guy, but also you need to find a trade partner who is desirable to the guy getting traded because they have an extension to sign and a team won't take him and trade assets for a guy who's not going to sign an extension. And so if you're looking at these, has there been a successful scenario for the team, for both teams? And if so, is there a chance that the Timberwolves can do this again? I'm thinking back, maybe the best case scenario was Thunder and, and the Indiana Pacers. And even then, it seems like the Indiana Pacers probably got away with a better deal. Just looking at now, of course, the Thunder don't have to play with Carmelo Anthony in the playoffs. But just looking at how these two teams performed in the playoffs with their respective guys in this trade, it seems like the Pacers still got away with a better deal. Is there a scenario where this has worked in the past in your mind? Uh, you know, you can look back to Pat Riley's first move as the president of the team, and that was when he traded Glenn Rice, who was the team's best player, and not a, not an all-star just yet, and he traded him to Charlotte for Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo was at a point where he was not uh, getting along with fellow teammate Larry Johnson back in 1995, another potential all-star there, and, and Alonzo was due for a contract extension, and he didn't want to re-sign with Charlotte, so they were going to lose him for nothing, and they wound up trading Alonzo to Miami, and then Miami traded Glenn Rice to the Hornets, and Alonzo stayed, uh, re-signed with the team, and obviously became a Hall of Fame center in Miami under Pat Riley. So there is a precedent here, and that's something that Riley is hoping to, to build on. You know, So I, I think you could look at that as a very successful case for, for both you know, the, the Heat and, and teams in general. So there is, there is a, a formula to doing this correctly, and I, 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 like, talking to, I like talking trades with uh, guys who cover the heat just because you guys have seen kind of a master at work over uh, his career and Pat uh, figuring out trades. And so if there is a silver lining to this for Timberwolves fans is if you are training with Pat Riley, there is a formula where this could work out for both teams, not just the Miami Heat. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you could argue that he gave up a lot for Goran Dragic a few years ago. Um, you know, obviously Pat is a different kind of uh team you know front office manager there than than somebody else you know that's obviously somebody in minnesota and that he doesn't value draft picks the same way um so he he does he does tend to throw those away rather haphazardly that's you know a bit of criticism from a lot of people down here um but you know you there's a good chance that you'll get something usable there i don't know that i'd necessarily say that he's ever fleeced anybody i think he's pretty fair and and i think he as far as the player that he's acquiring he hopes, and I think there's proof there that, it, that this does work, 
he hopes he can sell whatever player he acquires on the team's culture, on the culture of South Florida in general, and, and the possibility of establishing yourself or, or furthering your brand, however that might be. It's worked with LeBron James. It's worked with Chris Bosh. Could potentially work for Butler as well. And, you know, obviously Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, et cetera. All these players that Riley's acquired over his 23 years of being with the team, there's, there's enough proof there that the system works and, and he's been able to, to build on that. You know, obviously three title teams over the last 20 years, that's a pretty good rate. <laughs> it's not too bad. Not too bad at all of a return. Uh, one last thing before we head out here. Uh, the narrative uh, has kind of sprung up a little bit that uh, the Timberwolves should be looking – or can the Timberwolves make a trade that is equal to getting something like Zach Levine and Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen in the building, which is kind of what they gave up to get Jimmy Butler there in the first place. I would argue that's a little bit unfair because also coming with Jimmy Butler was the first playoff berth in 14 years and 13 seasons. Just from an outsider's perspective, from a more objective stance on this, is that a fair way to look at this trade? Is you're trying to get something as good as you gave up for Jimmy Butler? Or is it unfair because of what you're getting with Jimmy Butler was that playoff experience for the first time in so long? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the two things are kind of incomparable, and, and it's, hard to, mm-hmm. it's hard to gauge and weigh those separately because, yeah, you want to see like pieces. You know, there's still a lot of potential with Markin in there, uh, but I don't know that he's going to realize that. I know a lot of people are high on that potential, but he may never become that player. And if he does, it might only be as a result of being in a bad, on a bad Chicago team where he can explore that skill set fully. If he had been, if, you know, if he had been drafted by Minnesota behind Andrew Wiggins, behind Carl Anthony Towns, behind Jeff Teague, et cetera, would Markinen have become the player that he's expected to be in Chicago? There's a good chance that he might never have reached that potential. You know, so it, it was all about fit and where where he could maximize whatever skills he has. So I don't know that the two can be looked at from you know quite that same perspective. You, you hope to get a good package, something that that you can build around or that adds value to your team. And it's all about figuring out where your goals as a franchise are for a team like Minnesota. I think you want to continue to build on that playoff accomplishment from last year, go a little deeper and then also have players that help immediately. But like in a case of a Josh Richardson, somebody who's young enough who can contribute right away, but is still younger than Butler could potentially grow alongside Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. So I, I think that's, that's the kind of move that you'd be looking to make. Yeah, they're incomparable, too, because not only have all three of those guys in Chicago have yet to hit their ceilings, but also I just don't think there's a price you can put on teaching guys like Towns to to be a winner and to be a a superstar and be kind of a blue chip piece on a team. I mean, you saw flashes from Towns over the last season that you just didn't see from him before in his career. And I think Butler, for better or worse, uh, as far as locker room stuff, Butler brought that stuff out of Towns on the court. And so I think going forward, he's probably a better player for it. And this team will probably make the playoffs again because of the stuff that he was able to kind of imprint on this roster. And I just I just don't know if there's a price you can put on that. And I don't think it's fair to say, well, you've got to get this value back right. because you gave it up for him just last season and he's not signed an extension. I just don't know if that's a, a an onus that you want to put on this trade coming up. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, that's it's a really good point there. That I, I didn't realize that, obviously, not having covered the Timberwolves that much. You know, I, I didn't see that kind of leap from Carl Anthony Towns and, and attribute it to perhaps Butler's influence. And obviously, 
with all the reports of locker room tension and every other possible dramatic scenario taking place, <laughs> um, you don't really think of Butler's influence being a positive one, but it, it could potentially work out that way. And if that's the case, and he does add to Carl Anthony Towns' career, then I would say the trade was a successful one, even if you wind up losing out on both. For sure, for sure. All right, uh, hopefully we prepare people for a, a possible Miami Timberwolves trade to get Jimmy Butler in or to South Beach. Before we head out here, David, uh, anything to plug, any content that you have out there that you would like to plug, do so now. Well, they can always follow us at Locked on Heat. We've got a big season preview that we were going to put together. Now, obviously, that changes a little bit with a potential <laughs> roster shakeup. But other than that, you can follow all of our content and regular daily podcasts there. You can follow me at DZMO13 for all my writing at the Step Back. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another Lockdown Wolf podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are Lockdown Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.